Welcome to This is What Democracy Sounds Like, a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United in St. Louis. This episode features highlights from the MCU Raise the Age virtual rally, recorded on December 10th over Zoom. You will hear the status of implementing the law to treat 17-year-olds as juveniles in the justice system. And you can help by contacting Representatives Nick Schroer, David Evans, and Senator Wayne Wallenford to demand on-time implementation and funding of Raise the Age. All right, good evening, everyone. Uh, My name is Christian Blackman. I am the regional organizer with Campaign for Youth Justice. And I just want to welcome you all. Um, Latricia already said thank you again for taking your time to hop on yet another virtual something. (laughs) Um, But Raise the Age is super important, so we're glad that you're here. Um, I just want to quickly frame a couple things before we get into the agenda. One, um, I want to shout out the fact that today is National Human Rights Day. So this is a perfect, perfect day and a perfect opportunity to be able to do something like this. Um, Our youth are important, but oftentimes our youth are often overlooked, often forgotten, and often don't have folks to advocate for them and their voices aren't amplified and lifted up. So this is great, a great day for us to have a virtual rally. Um, So raise the age. Hopefully most of you know what that is, um, but a big part of us doing this rally was to essentially um, educate the community, let the community know for those that are watching, let them know what raise the age is and what raise the age means for the state of Missouri. So prior to um, 2018 when raise the age passed, 17-year-olds were automatically um, tried as adults, even for the minor, even for the most minor offense. So on 2018, um, a bipartisan bill passed that raised that age from 17 to 18 for youth being tried as adults. On January 1 of 2021, that bill is to go into effect. So today we're going to talk a little bit about um, more about what that means. We're going to talk a little bit about how that how raised the age has impacted this country and what we are doing locally across the state and then in our, in the, excuse me, in the St. Louis region as well. And we're also gonna hear from some impacted youth, their families and youth advocates. So I'm gonna pass it back over to Latricia. Thank you. Again, my name is Latricia Gandy. I'm organizer with Metropolitan Congregations United, Break the Pipeline also a formerly impacted mother who faced the juvenile judicial system, a system where 17-year-olds are looked at as adults. Within being an organizer in my current position, we organize people and and money to organize around policies and procedures um, to end criminalization in our Black youth and in our Black communities, in all communities for that matter. Um, We have different task force that we utilize and not just utilize, but they're doing good work um, to structure around this school to prison pipeline. And that's an education task force, a juvenile justice task force. Uh, We also have a legislative task force as well as a newly launched family partners campaign. Um, So we're here to just continue to shine light on the importance of our youth, um, the importance of our communities and importance that we build our power to not only mobilize, but change policies and procedures. So again, thank you for joining us at this time. Um, Now we're gonna have uh, our speakers um, from the 
the county, um, I would like to introduce two um, county officials, as you can see. I almost call them our friends. I just feel that way for the work that they are currently doing with the youth and, and the reason they're here tonight. Um, so I'd like to I'll pass it over to Rick Gaines. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm Rick Gaines. I'm the Chief Fuel Officer of St. Louis County. Uh, you know, in with Raise the Age, um, it's, it's been one of those things that has uh, been on our radar for quite some time. And I'm, I'm uh, extremely uh, glad and proud that it has passed. And even though some jurisdictions are saying that uh, they are not going to do it come January 1, 2021, uh, St. Louis County is uh, aligned and ready to do this. Uh, Prosecutor Bale in his office. We've had several discussions with him and Ben to talk about some of that, but we are ready to do this. This is the right thing to do. Uh, our community is ready for this. 17 year olds are still kids. Uh, we want to treat them as that. And, you know, I've got my uh, delinquency uh, director on this also, Deb Woodside. I mean, we've had several discussions and we are ready and able to do this. We understand the funding issue. We understand that, you know, without that funding, we may be impacted somewhere along the line here, but we're willing to take that gamble and, and, and really make this happen without uh, the legislators or the governor's office providing that funding. We feel like this is the right thing to do. And I appreciate being here in this space. Uh, as I, you know, we had a meeting this, today with Christian and Letitia, and we were just, the issue here to me is how do we get this out to our community? Because parents, kids, law enforcement, school districts, all those folks really need to know this. And, you know, if you've looked around, there's been nothing that I've seen. And I'm really just a little anxious that come January 1, 2021, that our community is aware of this. And Mr. Bell is committed to this. So we're hoping he'll get something out there. And he said that they would. Uh, especially the law enforcement, uh, but we're glad to be here and uh, we look forward to the work ahead uh, working with our 17 roads. Thank you, Rick. Um, now we will turn it over to you as well, Ben. Okay, thank you. And I, on behalf of the Family Court and Juvenile Office, uh, we really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this subject. And as Rick alluded to, uh, it's very important um, work. Um, and it, it means a lot to be out and have have our faces in the public and to convey the information that needs to be conveyed. Um, this has been a long time coming. Uh, you all know, or at least um, you may be uh, educated this evening. Uh, the law passed two and a half years ago uh, to become effective January 1st. And so we, being the family and uh, family court and juvenile office, have done a lot of planning to accommodate a new brand new uh, population. Um, and that's taken a lot of work. And uh, Rick mentioned we've had the discussions, many discussions, not only with the prosecuting attorney, but the uh, chief of police of the county police uh, about our intentions. Uh, the pro Wesley Bell has indicated he is not going to prosecute 17 year olds, uh, which left the door open for us. And Rick mentioned, you know, there's some ambiguity in the law about um, the funding issue, the unfunded mandate. 
And um, while it is a subject of various interpretations, I've heard as many opinions about it as there are people that have expressed them. Um, uh, we are going forward. Uh, there, of course, with any kind of major change like this with a court system, it comes with its challenges, but we are going to, we, we are prepared and ready to face them. Um, the one ask I have of MCU, which I think many of you on this, um, in this, in, on this uh, Zoom meeting are probably aware is that, you know, it's, it's, there is a financial cost to this. Um, and we're ready to face it, at least on the short term. Long term is another thing. And um, it would be helpful for MCU and other ad ad advocacy organizations to really push for state appropriations for this. Because um, and in the long term, we, we cannot do this. They should have stepped. I'm, I'll make a political statement. The <laughs> Missouri legislature should have stepped up uh, last year. 2020 session, 2019 session, or 2018 session to get this done. They did not. So this is where we are. Rick, I'll close by saying, uh, Rick said, this is the right thing to do. I believe that. And when it's the right thing to do, we need to plow forward. So I'll leave it at that. Thank you. Thank you, Ben, for sharing. We really appreciate that. I'm going to turn it over to you, um, Christian, at this time. Uh, thank you to Ben. Thank you to Rick um, for, for providing what St. Louis County is doing in regards to raise the age. Um, as I've said plenty of times since we've been meeting. Um, so we've been we've been meeting. Um, our region has been meeting uh, St. Louis City, St. Louis County. We've been meeting um, for I mean, we started meeting beginning of this year, end of last year, something like that. Um, pre pre COVID, pre pandemic. Um, and you all have showed up in a great way um, to make raise the age real. So I want to thank you all again. Um, so I see Kati just hopped on and I wanted to give space for him to provide what St. Louis City is doing in regards to raise the age. Um, so I'm going to pitch it over to him now. Thanks, uh, Christine um, and Latricia. So uh, for those of you whom I've not had an opportunity to meet, my name is Katib Wahid, and um, I work in the office with Kimberly Gardner as the Director for Community Engagement. Just a, a few things very briefly. <clears throat> First of all, our office has been and will continue to be fully supportive of the idea of raising the age um, you know, I personally have been involved with some of this work nationally, and so we, we see the importance of it for a lot of different reasons. It certainly fits in with our uh, broader agenda around reducing mass incarceration, um, dealing with the issues of racial disparities, um, and also putting together the kind of responses that um, think about what are the age-appropriate supports for persons who are identified as, as um, ad adolescent offenders or persons who are being held criminally responsible. We have put into place before the legislation was actually uh, passed uh, a, an alternative prosecution model called diversion, um, which is allows persons who are screened and approved 
to complete a set of requirements and then have the charges dismissed. Uh, we actually set up a, a response for persons 17 to 24, or if they come into the program before the 25th birthday. And we don't, we don't see the idea of raising the age as, as being contradictory to that. The, the challenge for us at this point is just that the law is not clear. The statute is not clear. Um, and we, we really need the uh, state legislature to go back and clean it up. Um, and so until that's done, we will continue to uh, over provide the oversight and jurisdiction for persons who are 17 years of age and older. Uh, but we are definitely wanting to and looking for ways to work together uh, on these issues. And so our hope is that the legislature will see the, the challenge in the current wording, um, which ties, as we un understand it, it ties the, you know, the, the effectiveness or the effective date of the, the statute with funding. And to the date, there is no funding for it. Uh, I'm also under the impression that both the Missouri Association for Prosecuting Attorneys and the Missouri Juvenile Justice Association both have boards and they have unanimously uh, voted and taken the position that the juvenile court will not have jurisdiction over 17 year olds uh, for delinquency matters that starts in, on the 1st of January, 2021. But so that's kind of where we are. In, in summary, we support the idea of raise the age uh, but until there's clarity in terms of the legislation, we will continue, you know, to exercise the jurisdiction over 17-year-olds. And then as quickly as that is, is corrected, we will be more than happy to shift, you know, our emphasis and focus away from the 17-year-olds and allow the family courts um, to, to take on their responsibility. Thank you. Um, continue you. for being here. Thank you for offering and sharing um, and your transparency around how St. Louis City is responding to and will respond to Raise the Age at this time. Um, so I'm going to now pivot and pitch it over to Marcy Mystery, who is the CEO of Campaign for Youth Justice. And she's going to speak about um, the nationwide impact of Raise the Age and why wanted to do work specifically here in St. Louis. Great. Christian, thanks so much for, um, for including us in this rally. It's a really critical time. Uh, Latricia, you and the MCU, appreciate you extending the invitation to us. As Christian said, I'm the um, CEO at the Campaign for Youth Justice. Um, we are a national advocacy organization that has been advancing Raise the Age and other reforms that remove children from the adult criminal justice system for the past 15 years. Um, I'm happy to say that Missouri is the 10th state to raise the age um, of criminal responsibility to 18. Um, we are now only left with three states who set it at 17, and that is Georgia, which voted it out of the House last year before the pandemic hit, Texas, which has it on its agenda this year again, and then, and then Wisconsin. So we are closer than we've ever been to having an agreement in this country that um, childhood needs to be, the minimum age of childhood needs to be established at 18, right? 
Um, so I want to say I'm really excited to be here. Um, we have learned a lot partnering very closely with states, not only in getting these laws passed, but on getting them um, implemented appropriately and on time. Um, with 21 days left, and I hear the conflict here between the city and the state, um, I do want to say that there's some really, really incredibly good research on the first generation of four states that passed the law um, to raise the age. Connecticut did it first. They just celebrated 10 years of raising the age. And not only did they have 17-year-olds to bring back, but they had 16-year-olds to bring back. So they brought back both 16 and 17-year-olds to their youth justice system. And because the youth justice system, and Missouri knows that because you guys are a nationally renowned leader, and the fact that your youth justice system focuses on the unique needs of children and families, right? You're talking about rehabilitation, you're t addressing trauma, you are talking about, um, you know, you have the Missouri model, right, that is known all over the place. You get visitors all the time, I don't need to tell you this. Um, but I was struck when I was listening to Mr. Waheed talk about, you know, an alternative sentencing structure that's new and innovative for 17 to 24 year olds. And indeed, on the criminal justice side, it is a radical notion to divert 17 to, to divert people from court at all right we don't do that on the family court and the juvenile side it is a regular and endorsed practice does that mean young people aren't held to accountable standards no what it means is we see you struggling we want to support you with the services and supports that you and your family need to get back on track right we've seen the 17 to 24 year old and i applaud i want to hear i want you to hear me very clearly that we applaud the efforts to divert people on the adult side it's really important we have very big partners in Texas that have been doing this. And you know what they're finding with the 17-year-olds? It doesn't work. You know why it doesn't work? Because when you direct a 17-year-old child to a service, who do, they need to, who do they need to sign off on that? Their mom or their dad. Because there's no service provider that will, um, that will give them mental health services, substance abuse services, without their parent signing off on it, right? Because that is... That is uh, a necessary and legal thing under every other system of care um, that we do. So 17-year-olds, this is a big reason that we push for 17-year-olds to be in the family system because we know that kids live in families and families as a system a lot of times need the support, not just that individual child. Um, so I wanna just say, this is, you're, the things that you're outlining are things that we've run into in every single state. They are not insurmountable and you guys can do this. One of the reasons that we fought long and hard and hired Christian to come up with this task force, and I have to applaud you guys again, pandemic, racial justice, um, uh, um, uh, rallies going on, a very difficult time in our country has happened over this past year. And this committed group of folks has met uh, to really try to, um, despite all those barriers, to really try to come up with solutions that work, right? And so I was really heartened. I'm, I'm sorry I couldn't make the medium earlier today, but I was really heartened by what Christian shared around those very rich discussions, the willingness for people to partner and struggle through things together. I think that is the very first and most important thing that we can do. The second thing that we can do is to really let people know, um, families and young people understand this law um, again, it is, not, it is not a radical notion. The, the youth justice system in Missouri already serves many 17-year-olds and their families. This is regular standard practice because what happens when 16-year-olds get arrested? Generally, they turn 17, right? 
Um, so while it feels huge, and I'm not minimizing it, it is a, it is a significant reform. You guys have the tools um, to make this happen. And I will say, I, you know, I know you guys are familiar and I know the state legislature is familiar with the Justice Policy Institute that looked at um, the results of the first four states that did this. And they did so, and guess what? Uh, the, the fiscal note is always elevated because we forget that a lot of times we don't need to hire more prosecutors, we just need to shift, right? So the prosecutors that are prosecuting 17-year-olds on the adult side, right? We need to shift that <laughs> over to the family court side. Um, you know, police aren't arresting anymore children. They're just changing the ways that they process those arrests. So what the JPAI report found is that um, raising age can happen without increasing crime. So not only does crime go down after you raise the age, there's also a significant drop in crime from 18 to 20 year olds, right? And the reason that is, or the posit, the reason that they posit, it's hard to prove, is that um, those young, those folks when they're younger are getting the appropriate services they need to get them back on track, right? So crime doesn't go up. Um, there's always a concern about the number of beds we need. That never comes to fruition in terms, as a matter of fact, New York is paying $1,000 a day for beds that have remained empty and open all year. Um, and then the third, um, and then the crime costs and confinement yeah and so overall the costs are significantly lower what anyone predicts them to be um, and part of the reason is that family court again does have the resources it doesn't cost a lot more to serve um, a handful of kids it does have some costs i don't want to say that it's no cost because there is some costs associated when you're trying to get um, support to families uh, but it's a lot cheaper to serve young people in the context of their home and communities than it is to serve them uh, or punish them in an adult jail um, or just with surveillance, right? We need to get them back on, on the right track. Um, and so I, I think you guys are really close. We really wanted this to happen in St. Louis because we knew if St. Louis could do it, the rest of the state could do it. You guys deal with the biggest number of children and families in the state and we knew you could do it. So I'm really heartened tonight and I want to be a resource. Um, as Christian said, the campaign for youth justice is closing down. A lot of that is because of, um, of the fact that we now have two federal laws getting uh, children out of adult jails and prisons. We've got only three states left that need to raise the age. And we've had half of the states remove or narrow their automatic transfer statutes. Missouri doesn't have automatic transfer, so it's really, really important that young people, um, and I hear the value statement here that people value that 17 year olds are still children. Um, but if I can be a resource, I am really happy to do that. Um, if there is law enforcement or prosecutors or probation officers that need to know how other states or other counties did this, I'm more than happy to connect you to those folks to understand how and why. Um, Christian, did I hit everything you asked me to talk about? <laughs> yes, you did. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. All right, um, back to you, Latricia. Awesome. At this um, part in our agenda, we're going to introduce not only our new organizer uh, with our Family Partners campaign of MCU, she is a formerly impacted mother as well. So I'll uh, turn it over to Ms. Cormon Leach. Good evening, everyone. 
My name is Carmine Leach with the Metropolitan Congregations United, and I am work with the um, Break the Pipeline campaign. I'm a formerly impacted mother. My child was in the juvenile system, and he worked the program that um, that they set up for him, and he was allowed to come home. He is still working the program. And uh, it wasn't until my son came home that we started having conversations um, because I didn't realize, you know, everything that was going on with him. So in talking with him, his friends would come over, 15, 16 and 17 year, year olds. And we talked about what they're doing, what's going on. And to hear a lot of things that they said, it was hard to hear and made me feel like we have, you know, we've dropped the ball. We have, we ex expect them to be responsible on a certain level, but we are not doing our part. It's like, we're taking all the resources out of the communities. And then we wonder why they're getting in trouble or, you know, getting into the things that they're getting into because they don't have anywhere to go. A lot of them have, uh, my son has ADHD and a friend, his 17 year old friend has ADHD. I mean, it's so much that's going on with them and we're not, we don't know this until it's too late. And it's because the conversations aren't happening. They didn't happen in my home. So, I mean, I guess that has a lot to do why I didn't know how to have these conversations and with everything that's happening, this is just all so important. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm real emotional right now, but all of this stuff is happening and I'm glad it's happening now. I'm, I'm hoping that we are all taking time to see that, there, that these 17 year olds, 16 year olds, that their kids, who have been put in unfortunate situations and instead of us trying to find a way to help them by you know through counseling education mentoring programs we are you know they feel like we just throwing them away and they come home and they're going to be doing the exact same thing because we have not addressed any underlying problems we haven't given them any positive outlets so I'm glad that this is, we are, you know, we're talking about this and I am proud to be a part of my team who is stepping up and doing something about it. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing your story um, in this space um, and the bravery and boldness that you have to share your story um, and to just shed some light. You know, we, we don't know until it knocks on our doors. We don't understand until it knocks on our doors. And, and as um, community organizers, one of the things is to build the power in the voices to let families know you're not alone. We are here to support you. We are here to help you build your power to advocate for yourself and to not only fight for yourself, but fight for your own children. Um, that's why these conversations are truly, truly, truly important um, and, and valuable. So we will continue to have these type of conversations in these spaces and, and hoping 
that in 2021, we have more parents sharing their stories, more communities stepping up saying, hey, yes, let's shed some light. Let's let's talk about it. Let's do something about it. Let's implement the right policies and procedures to change the things and change the way that the community look at the youth. Um, so I thank you for sharing your story again, Carmon. I thank you all. And I'm going to turn it over to Christian at this time. Thank you, Latricia. Um, so thank you, Carmine, again, um, for sharing your story, for the work that you're doing. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so we do have some time allotted right now before we get to the end of the agenda, before we get to the call to action um, for questions. Um, we have about 15 minutes or so. Um, so if there are any pressing questions regarding um, what you've heard as far as race to age goes, um, if there are any direct questions you have for any representatives from the county, St. Louis County, representatives from St. Louis City, um, any questions for uh, Marcy, um, I, there is a question in so Lisa's question, what are the changes in wording that the legislature needs to make um, per Mr. Wahid? First of all, um, the, in the statutes, it talks about um, the expansion of services under the race, the, the age and uh, agenda and legislation. And it basically says that the services will only occur if there's funding. And right now, it's an unfunded mandate. And, and one of the data suggests that African-American in Missouri, you know, it's nationally, it's African-American and Latino uh, boys and girls. Uh, but in St. Louis, St. Louis we don't have a, a noticeably large uh, Latino community. So it's prominent, primarily a black and white kind of thing. And we know that African-Americans are disproportionately represented in both youth courts and criminal justice system. And so to raise the age without providing to support that is one of the many ways that the disparities and the bad outcomes continue to occur. Um, and as Carmen pointed out, a thought that came to my mind when I listened to her very important story is that in our office, we really take a public health approach to crime reduction. In other words, it's not about arresting our way out of this problem. It is about getting at the root causes of the problem. And so poverty, you know, a lack of access to services, uh, structural racism are really critical to that. And so when a young man or young woman comes out of the system and returns home, one of the questions that I think we have to ask ourselves is, what have we done to transform that community where that young person has to return to? And, and so are we really just interested in locking kids up and locking adults up, or are we interested in public safety? Well, for us, it's about public safety. So the fact that the, that the to this point, the expansion of services are not funded is a huge concern for us. 
Uh, and then just the ambiguity around jurisdiction uh, that appears to be tied, you know, to the funding piece. So it, it's in those two areas. And I would defer uh, to Ms. Gardner for the more precise language um, because I'm not an attorney. Um, and I, I want to make sure I, I state that disclaimer. But we, again, we are extremely committed and supportive of this concept of raising the age um, for uh, persons who are held criminally responsible. And because up to this point, we didn't have um, that statute in place, we took it upon ourselves to, to implement good policy and good practice to serve those populations, recognizing that they are still very high at risk of being impulsive um, and getting in trouble and, and recognizing that really in, in terms of brain science, your brain is not fully 25 years old. So to be holding juveniles criminally responsible, even at 18 and 19 raises serious questions. But right now the, 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 the legislation is talking about, you know, 18. And so that those are the areas where we really have some concern, the lack of funding, um, and the impact it'll have on black and brown communities and the ambiguity around, you know, the constitutionality of the statute without the funding. But I do think that we'll figure this out. And once it's cleared up, we'll be very gladly um, uh, release our jurisdiction, so to speak, to the family courts. We're not holding on just for the purpose of holding on, but right now we're kind of in a, between a rock and a hard place. Thank you so much for sharing it um, and, and addressing that question for us. We have another question in the chat. Um, and the question states, there was money attached to the bill initially. Did it go away? Um, uh, Latricia, I'm happy to answer that. If that's thank you, okay. Uh -huh. Yeah, so it, in the bill that created the or raised the age, there was a fund called the Juvenile Justice Preservation Fund. And that authorized the uh, tacked on uh, a specific amount uh, towards some uh, court costs. That money has been accumulating uh, in that fund. However, there has the legislature and in their infinite wisdom did not um, set forth in the in the bill language about how the money was going to be disseminated and what formula it was going to be disseminated amongst the 46 circuits. So the money's sitting there. I think the last thing, last thing I heard after about two years, I had a little over $2 million in it. Um, that's not a lot of money when you're looking at um, the whole state, uh, but it's something. So there is money. And that's the other cleanup language that has been uh, um presented by the Missouri Juvenile Justice Association to clean up, to at least to give uh, some a mechanism for the dissemination of the money out of that fund. Thank, Thank you, Ben. Yeah. All right. Do we have any other questions? Anyone have um, any other questions you would like to have addressed? We have a, a bit of a, about seven minutes. I'll ask a okay. question. Is there, is, there, um, is there a way that this group or MCU, you know, um, is there a call to action to get to the state legislators to get them to increase 
increase those budget dollars. Um, I know one of, one of the things that's really hard is that we've seen youth crime drop. I know there's been an uptick over the past year. I'm sure the pandemic has something to do with that, but, um, but I know everyone's caseloads have been getting smaller, but I don't think budgets have been cut in the same way. Um, so I'm just curious, is there, a, is there a strategy to get to the state folks that this group could help mobilize folks to weigh in and say this is really important and we want resources going to it. And I know that that's a very hard ask after the financial hits that every state is taking during this pandemic. Um, Marcy, I'll address that a, a little bit um, as I can. So here at MCU, yeah, there are different actions and, and steps that we have, that we are taking as organizers in a community. Um, and as the year goes on, you'll see a, a, a lot more of that coming about. Um, but there are several steps we have to take. Um, so at that at this point, you know, we have things set in place. But as 2021 go along, we'll shed some light on that question, uh, Marcy. We are at the point of our agenda where we do a call to action. So this is our call to action. Race the age is now at risk. It is set to go in effect January the 1st of 2021, but disputes over funding are threatened to derail the new law and panel put in place that has halted the convening. In this call to action, we ask you all to please contact these representatives, these reps and senators, and demand on-time implementation of Raise the Age. So we ask you to reach out to Representative Nick Shore, who is the bill sponsor in the House. You have his phone number, his email, and also his Twitter account. We have Senator Wayne, who built sponsor in the Senate and vice chair of the Blue Ribbon Panel on the Juvenile Justice. Um, there you see his phone number and his email as well. And last but not last, we have Representative David Evans, chair of the Blue Ribbon Panel on Juvenile Justice. And there you see his phone number and email. Latricia? Yes, sir. Um, offer a statement of support and an observation that hopefully will have some um, benefit for the call to action while mm -hmm. folks are writing down. I would, one of the things that, that struck me about uh, uh, Sister Carmen's comments at least this is what I interpreted. I know it's to be true, even if she didn't mean to say this, but I think additional work needs to be done with parents and community in general, because unfortunately, what I see happen all too often across a broad domain of things is that folks don't typically get involved until it affects them personally. And so this whole idea of, you know, it takes a village to rear a child, so to speak, to me means us getting involved before we are adversely affected by it. And among other things, it means changing the public's perception of juveniles um, so that they're not viewed as uh, super predators, so that people are not afraid of them when they see them in groups. And so the work what you all are proposing here is very powerful. And I'm just suggesting that what might make it even more powerful is if we can use 
the Raise the Age platform as a way to make people aware of the differences and the benefits that can occur if young people are receiving age appropriate services. So I, I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I just felt compelled to, to try to offer that. And I was so happy to see uh, you on the call this morning, Latricia, and to see Carmen on the call, Carmen on the call this, this evening and hoping that there are gonna be many, many more impacted mothers. Not that there'll be more impacted mothers, but where the mothers that are impacted will get involved. Yes, thank you, Kali. Thanks for that. Some Thanks for that, excuse me. You know, um, as an impacted parent, um, you know, we, we have to look out for our youth. And in doing this work, I will share, my child didn't want me to get into this space, um, but it's personal. It's personal. I have passion for the communities. I grew up in some of these communities. I have passion for the youth. And, and sometimes we are afraid to speak up. Yes, but what? But it takes, as you stated, a village. It takes voices, and it takes people like us that are are using stepping out on faith. I'm yes. gonna say I'm I'm, I'm going to step out on faith, but not just for me, but other people around. So I yes, absolutely, um, and not just mothers. There's fathers out here, grandparents out here. There's many, many more. So absolutely, I thank you for sharing that at this at this moment. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. I like to um, piggyback real quick off of that too. Um, I'm not a parent. <laughs> um, I'm a godmother uh, to a 16 year old. And um, before I got into all of this activism work, I actually went to school to become a teacher. <laughs> so I have educators on my mother's side, all of them were educators. And I've, I've done a lot of work with, with kids, with youth specifically. Um, so to your point, um, I think a big part of this work and a big part of why we're talking about making sure that we get in contact and educating the community is because we we look we we want we want to do preventative work, right? Um, we don't want it to get to a point where a kid is potentially caught up in any type of system, right? Yeah. Um, so how are we doing the work? So that's why we want to make sure that we're tapping into the schools tapping into whatever other activities kids are tapped into. Um, part of the reason why, you know, I do work and I um, collaborate with grassroots organization or other groups that work with youth outside of schools as well, um, because we need we need all the happening simultaneously um, to make sure that our youth have what they need. And Carmine, you hit it on the head. A lot of that is because there's a lack of a lot of things. There's a lot of things that our youth have that I had as a, as a youth that our youth don't have now. Um, in various ways, right? Um, we're hearing about more schools potentially closing in, in St. Louis City, right? We're hearing about like the governor had cut more funding in, in this year during a pandemic, right? So there's an attack on, on I, I just quite frankly say it's, it's an attack on our youth. It's an attack on our kids. It's an attack on our families. And as you stated, most times, um, excuse me for talking with my hand so much. I do that. <laughs> um, most most times the most impacted are you know black and brown kids um kids that live families that live on the margin right so i think a big part of why race to age is important is that it's, it's not just about this bill specifically but it also is getting at how are we fully caring 
um, for our youth. So that's why a lot of these programs and resources that you all are doing on the city side and the county side is super, super important. But I think it's specifically for like the MCU, for myself, other social um, justice organizations and advocacy groups are looking to what we can do on the front end before it even gets to this point, um, before it gets to you being caught up in any type of system or any, a potential anything that can lead them down, a, you know what I'm saying, a pathway to whatever that isn't good for them. So I, I thank you for raising that because I wanted to add that as well. Um, so I think that this is a, a unique opportunity and also conversations around, you know, particularly in, in St. Louis City and the county, how we're looking at, you know, resource officers in the schools and, and all of these different conversations and work that is happening. Um, this holistic approach to public safety, this holistic approach to how we care for our kids this holistic approach of how we not just care for our kids and the youth, but also how we're caring for families also. Um, right. Right. So that's my soapbox. I don't want to keep going on and on, but. Thank you. Thank you all for taking the time to um, share this call to action with us and also press your way to this space. I would like to thank all our participants tonight that took the time out to um, give us insight on Raise the Age and how city and county um, officials are, are taking a stance. I thank you, Marcy, for sharing your story on the education piece. Um, that is really good for the community to understand that part of it as well. Um, so thank you, Carmine, for giving your story. And just to thank you all again for pressing your way. This is very, very important. And we need to continue to have these conversations in this space. I, I give a big thanks to Christian. I mean, my God, she has put on so much work in the community, so much support. And she's like a, one of my mentors as an organizer. So I, I thank, thank her for um, building that relationship and having that relationship with me as well. Again, I'd like to thank you all. And um, until we meet again, be safe. Hope you all be at peace and a happy holidays. Thank you for listening to the MCU Raise the Age virtual rally. Take action now by contacting Representatives Nick Schroer and David Evans and Senator Wayne Wallingford to demand on-time implementation and funding of Raise the Age. To join us in our work for justice in the St. Louis community, visit our website, mcustlewis.org, or find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening.